The following program is rated MAL. It contains strong language and is intended only for mature audiences. Green flag waving for the always exciting Sheldon Hutchill. He'll bounce the right rear off the wall with turn four. Lot one for Sheldon Hutchill. Quick time! Off turn four. Quick time! Ten, zero, three, zero. Second lap time for David is quick time! 15 0 2 2. Lap number one for Kyle Larson. Quick time! It's a 10 1 45. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of Quick Time, the podcast. The boys are back in the race cave here. Uh, it's been a couple weeks since we've done this, boys. Uh, let's start off with Josh, man. How's it been going? It's been going good. Uh, well, not as good as last week. Last week, I was pretty much under the weather knocked it all out um had really bad allergy attack and couldn't go to the races got some grief on that but got to watch friday night of uh the 305 nationals that was a ton of fun to see sounds like it's better than what the main night was so but other than that a lot of racing to watch me yeah, yeah brad how's it going <laughs> me not not so much uh i was i uh, took the camper out to the lake of branch stoke and we hung out there for four days and uh if anybody's been out to Branch Stoke, there is no way. I have a very poor cell service. So uh, I didn't get to watch hardly any racing and just kind of just disconnected for the weekend. So it was all, all good. So is Branch Stoke pretty with the drought type stuff? Is it pretty low? No, it, it's a little low, but you wouldn't know it. No, it's uh, it's still got quite a bit of water in it. That's good. Yeah, it's it was a good time, though. Well, at least you got to go out and do something. So uh, let's go back a couple weeks for me. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, went out and did the uh, the Speedway Motors Cars and Coffee. Did attended the uh, Nebraska, not well the three hundred and sixty uh, Racers Reunion there held by Jim Schumann. Things were going pretty good that Saturday. I gave Brad a little grief because he said he was going to go out there. Uh, Brad never showed up. We knew Josh was going to stay on the couch. Whoa, Whoa, free donuts! I almost went. Free donuts and coffee. Free donuts, and coffee. Uh, maybe not the coffee. But let's just say I had all my shit packed. I was going to go out to the racetrack. Uh, something happened. I, I blew the shit out of my knee. Uh, couldn't walk for two days. Uh, I can barely walk now. Uh, so uh, I didn't get to go out to Eagle two weeks ago. I did manage to go out Sunday night and hobble my ass around a little bit out there uh, for the finale of the 305s. But uh, yeah, my knee's fucked. Yeah. I, how did you hurt your knee, by the way? I was told I need to make a good story about it because yeah, uh, your story wasn't that good. Cause the, the actual way I heard it is, is not that good. I was playing tug of war with the dog. I mean, it's fucking stupid. <laughs> and the dog won. So let's say I fought off some ninjas, uh, took some, you know, stab wounds or something and <laughs> took a katana, a katana to the kneecap. I don't know. So if you got a good story, I can lie about how I hurt my knee. Let's, uh, let's hear it, you know, share it to our socials, you know, bum knee and all, you still went out to the races in the infield, took some photos. That's pretty good for walking around. Did a lot more than you, bud. Hey, hey. Probably couldn't tell the difference between you and Joe Earth because Joe was pretty hobbly too. Hey, Joe had that. Uh, Joe had that uh, golf cart he gets around in. So I mean, oh. <laughs> he didn't let Brandon drive. <laughs> yeah, and knee pain sucks. I I had a, a surgery about five six years ago, and it's it's not fun, but uh, it's better now. So just take care of it, and you'll get through it. We'll see what happens. MRI uh, done last week. So waiting on some results for that. So we'll see what happens. So hopefully, uh, no, hopefully no surgery, but I know I'm not that fucking lucky. So it's probably gonna have to cut her open. Uh, 
It's probably not a full knee replacement, but uh, <laughs> I would say a scope more. I'm guessing you have torn cartilage and you need to have a little scope and it'll be in and out. No problem. Just get set up with Brad. Brad will be your physical trainer. I, I did call. I did call Brad. I was like, well, first I called the, uh, the stars athletic trainer and uh, got some suggestions from him. Then the next day afterwards, there was a little more swelling than normal. So I called Brad cause I didn't want to bother Corey anymore. <laughs> Yeah, I, I disagreed with his uh, recommendation, but, uh, you know. Uh, pain, hey, I, I've been doing what he says, and I'm kind of walking around now, yeah. so. Well, you're also a week past the injury, too, so. It's it got to be hurts. better, then. It still hurts. <laughs> it still hurts. Still going to need surgery. Still. Snip, snip. <laughs> I'll tell you, I'm, I'm a poor patient. I, I had my knee scoped, and then I did rehab for about two days and said, screw it, it'll my, my quad will get strong eventually. So uh, I didn't ever do rehab. I still that probably going to be the same way. Like, <laughs> hey, Brad, what exercises should I just yeah. be doing at home? Because yeah. I don't need to go someplace and have this dude tell me how yeah. to do this shit. So pay, pay same there with a bunch of old you. ladies. Yeah. Just pay to watch you do exercises. Nope. Not, yeah, not I don't. Uh, nope. Just go down to the university and have Brad take care of me. <laughs> just show up with all the other athletes. Be like, yep, I'm an athlete of Brad's over there. I don't run or play a sport. But I play hey, hockey. Fuck that. I play hockey, That's bitch. true. You do play inter, inter... Whatever that's called. Hockey. <laughs> I, this, what? No? <laughs> old, old guy hockey. Old guy hockey. It there is old guy hockey. It's with, fat. With Gonzo it's, and all those guys. It's beer league hockey, where we drink more beer than we play hockey. <laughs> Hey, they have a draft, though, right? Yeah. Did you get drafted? I was drafted. I can't confirm I wasn't the last pick, but I was still drafted. <laughs> <laughs> well, now you're definitely going to go down. You're on the IR. I, I've been on the IR for a while, so, I mean. <laughs> nice. Uh, but, hey, I'm still out there playing shitty hockey. No, well, but the sad thing about that, you went to the the museum for the deal, and then shortly later, what, about 45 minutes, I've heard after the event, that's when Don Drow Sr. passed. Not passed away, but had his massive stroke. Said he had the best time of his life being around everybody and just crazy how fast that Yeah, I mean, you know, I saw the, I saw the, well, I was started getting texts because, I mean, once I hurt my leg, I didn't do anything. I was basically laying in bed. Uh, but then I got some text messages like, hey, you need to, you need to talk about Don Drow Sr. I'm like, what the hell is going on? So I got on Facebook, then saw the deal, then I, then I texted you and you and Nate at work and, Kind of heard, heard the whole ordeal, the whole ordeal there, and it's crazy because I just saw him at did, that that event. Did and you it, see him any different? No, I, I mean completely fine. Did so. the stroke happen there at the museum, or was it at home? That's when he got home. home. Yeah, and just it literally a, it was Monday. Monday, I'm at going to lunch. Brandon wasn't there because you're out because your knee. And I'm eating lunch, and Nate comes up to me, goes, "Just to let you know, seniors in the hospital. Uh, he could pass away here at any moment." And literally 15 minutes later, senior passed away. And it was like, holy cow, how do you digest all that? And, you know, I thought he was fine. <laughs> well, that tells you how fragile life yeah, is. Yeah, it's just uh, crazy how it works. I mean, one minute he was having the time of his life, and the next minute it, he's, he's died. So you got to live life to the fullest. And uh, I've got a new new lease on life, so I'm, uh, oh, yeah. I'm taking advantage of it. Yeah, but I mean, and even at the – I went to the celebration of life. I didn't go to the funeral – but it was amazing the turnout of just the the legends around here. Um, I was standing talking to Phil Durst, and it was literally Ray Lipsy standing there. He's like, "Oh, racing Ray Lipsy!" I'm like, "Holy cow!" And then it was like Lonnie Jensen sitting over there, and then just all these names that you you hear about. They're all showing up in support of, of Don Droud Senior, and it's just really cool to see that atmosphere and being around all those people and 
you know, introducing my nephew to a lot of them and he didn't have a clue who they were, but he was, he was excited to be around them for sure. But yeah, we're quiet now. Yeah, I don't really have much <laughs> I, I, to say. I, I don't have much to add to it. I he's, mean, it's, he's lived it's, a full life, man. And he's, he's raised some pretty good race car drivers in that family. So, uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Rest in peace, uh, Don Drowd senior. Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, keep yeah. the, keep the drowds in your thoughts and prayers, um, as they deal with this. It's, it's, uh, Tragic. Yeah, it's tragic, crazy tragic how, how fast life can change like that. Yeah, it's never yeah. easy, especially when it's unexpected. I mean, it's it, that makes it even a little bit tougher. But, uh, um, you know, like my brother told me a long time ago, you know, a couple years ago, he goes, you should go and be around some of these old race car guys because you never know when it's going to be then and you're never going to talk to them again. And so, you know, I always make it a point that, I have the chance to talk to JJ Riggins, right? But you didn't chance. go to the Razor reunion like we all kind of <laughs> talked about trying to go to. I should have probably went. I probably would have known quite a bit of people there. But, but yeah, I mean, it. You forget how fast it can change, and then you don't ever get to talk to him again. You don't ever get to tell the stories you had with him and whatnot. But, I mean, that's the one thing that I'll take away. Senior was a guy that has I've known him ever since I was a little kid. Um, went over to his house. Went over to the shop. And you would go and I don't know if Brandon remember walking. You walk through like this door of just photos. The museum. Yes, yeah, it's, cool. it's basically the Droud Museum. And then you go in and he's got at that time had his old vintage race car. Then he he would have a midget or a sprint car or some something else in there. And he'd have this old fireplace. And he would just be sitting in front of it, working on something, watching polishing watching the news. up something, some part or whatever. You know? Yeah, I mean it. It was like his man cave with just race cars along with his, his go-kart track out back. I mean, it was, I've heard stories about that go-kart track out back with Isaiah. Yeah. It, it gets pretty nasty. That's between what I hear. Crowds. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, but no, other than that, that's, I mean, senior seniors, a once in a lifetime type guy to be around. That's for sure. So, so I'm assuming that's your uh, quick time award. Uh, we kind of, we kind of, <laughs> we kind of talked about doing quick time awards, but we wanted to lead off with that. Cause I mean, that was a pretty big deal here in, the, in the Nebraska and whatnot. Yeah. I mean, my quick time award went to Don Droud senior for all his accomplishments that he's had in racing in the Midwest, in Nebraska, racing motorcycles on dirt, you know, showing that to some of the girls at work and they're just in, blown away that somebody is racing something like that. And that's how he started. Um, but just the, the overall person he was, and how, you know, he's, he has been a major part of my life as far as the racing side of it. So to me, my quick time award definitely goes to Don Drowd Sr. What about you, Brad? You got, a, you got a quick time award for us? Well, as pathetic as I was last week, not watching any racing, uh, I'm going to give it to uh, Brian Brown. Uh, Brian went all the way out to Pennsylvania and, uh, there's a lot of people that think that Brian Brown's a one track wonder and just a Knoxville regular. But uh, he's won all over the country, down in Charlotte, Las Vegas. He's won, won a lot of races across the country. And he went to Pennsylvania and uh, took care of business. And uh, he, he, uh, he had a pretty good comment there in, in the winter circle. Apparently last year at some point, uh, Danny Dietrich made the comment that Brian Brown can't race on, or can't hang on uh, slick tracks. And uh, last week was a... Uh, relatively slick track and he won and so he he said that danny dietrich can kiss his ass so uh, uh props to brian brown going out to pennsylvania i know he sells a hell of a lot of racing t-shirts out there but uh he's gonna bring home a little bit more money this time because he won that race at, i can't even tell you where he won it selling's grow yeah so props to him uh 
way to go up there. And uh, now he's going to race Port Royal in the Tuscarora 50 this week. So good luck to Brian. You know what else? Uh, you know what Brian can do that Dana can't win in Knoxville? <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. So I'm going to give my my quick time award is going to the the tow crew out at Eagle Raceway every year for the Race Saver Nationals. They uh they have a kind of a hard luck frequent flyer award that they give out. They all donate money to a pot and chip in throughout the year out of their own pockets. Uh, this year was a thousand dollars. Wow! And the award goes uh, not really an award, but it goes to the the most frequent visitor of the tow crew. So Meaning they it, get their car towed? Yeah, so if okay. you have a shit night right. or a shit weekend. Like a hard luck night. Yeah, and they, they find out what guy had the worst nationals. And this year uh, they gave the award to uh, Chip Graham out of Texas. I guess he had a really bad uh, bad uh, experience that <laughs> not at Eagle Raceway this year. Uh, he flipped Sunday night when I was out there. Um, so I, I don't know what all happened days beforehand but apparently he's it was a multi-time visitor with the token <laughs> i think he wrecked friday night too in his so, it's one of those <laughs> things you hate to win but hey it took the sting out a little bit by so so you $1, get $1, you get you get a thousand dollars you got a thousand dollars cash and a bottle of moonshine so homemade nice. moonshine, Can't homemade moonshine. so that, that'll help take the sting away and a little bit there or the so, pain uh, from wrecking <laughs> yeah so uh hats off to the tow crew at eagle they're they're one top-notch group of guys out there they're always fun to hang out with and talk to and uh yeah, that is a Bunch pretty of awesome deal for them to do that. They bust their ass every Saturday night all year long. And for them to dig in their own pockets and do something like that, that's uh, that's props to you guys. Definitely. So uh, speaking of Eagle Raceway, uh, it was the, the 305 Nationals this week. Uh, we're going to be joined by the winner of the uh, the big dance on Sunday night. Jay Bo- Jake Bubach is going to join us later on in the program. Uh, before we get Jake on, you guys got any other topics you want to dive into real quick? We got uh, Jake coming on in about 10 minutes at the top of the hour. Brad? Brad well, had a question about the the auto salvage. Well, stuff. the only thing I... I think, I, that's, I think that's more of a deeper dive that we should uh, okay, wait yeah, to no, until wait after. after. So yeah. if we want to talk a little bit before about the 305 Nationals, you know, something I, I almost had as my quick time award was Trevor Grossenbacher running from the E-Main uh, Sunday night all the way up to 16th in the A-Main. You know... I'm Brad surprised always, he passed anybody on that track because we just hammered down the entire way. Well, Brad, Brad always says the cream rises to the top, or is it just luck? And we both, we all kind of said it could be one or the other, but Trevor's always run good at Eagle Raceway. He's a he's a local guy, um, always aggressive for sure. So to me, that that shows that the talent does sometimes, you know, comes to the front. Well, I think that if he passed all those cars, he had to have a lot of luck along the way, but he's also got to be a pretty damn good driver to be able to put the car in the right spot and know. I'm sure having the home track advantage helped out a little bit too, but he had to put the car in the right spot and he had to, um, he had to go forward. And, and so, yeah, he, but he had to have a lot of luck too. He had to have a lot of luck too, because, uh, um, car spin out that gives you one more spot or restart gives you a, a better chance of passing a couple cars. So, uh, yeah, there's a little bit of luck and a little bit of talent on both and track conditions is another thing. If it was a dry slick track there would that would not have happened. So, right. um, but I'm not taking anything away from, uh, from Trevor that, uh, that's a hell of a job. You don't see the alphabet happen in, in racing, uh, very often. So for him to do that, that was, that was pretty cool. Well, especially the three Oh five is where it supposedly isn't so much about horsepower. I mean, it's all momentum. Supposedly, yeah. <laughs> there's no question. It's not, yeah, there's, <laughs> yeah. there's no horsepower in the 305s. So it's well, all momentum. I, well, I think the, uh, the reason they can do that is is the cars are um, 
they're they're pretty evenly matched and and there's a, uh, some things obviously you can do to make them faster but uh um with with the four tens it's who's got the eighty thousand dollar motor in that car to go super fast and and uh these cars are supposedly all have about the same motor but uh with the setup and stuff that'll that'll help change all that and and give well in this case trevor a, an advantage yeah definitely i mean it i mean brandon what did you think about the whole i know you went sunday night but the whole re reworking the track what was the point of that on on the main i honestly i don't i don't fucking know i could see if it was like a 50 lap race or something that's really he, long. he does it every year uh there's track prep during driver introductions it didn't fucking need it um I, what, how many laps is the a feature 35 i think so it's, it wasn't like it was no the track was too good it was just hammered down it was a hot lap session i'm i mean i'm not a track prep guy um I, I i don't know it's not my racetrack not my pig not my farm so what do you think of the starting three wide i'm curious i i didn't i forgot that they did that until nate told me that uh, i, I think, don't know it's i get it it's a gimmick race yeah. um something unique to this race only um you know when they first started the deal everybody's like oh we're just gonna junk the whole fucking field right yeah the first we've, turn we've never done that never done that right now out of uh, 10 years doing this, we've had one incident on the opening lap, and it wasn't even flipping shit. We just... It probably just, wasn't in turn one and two. Yeah, and it's everybody gives room, and it, I mean, I it think, is what it is. I think the big issue with this is is because of what you just said, that we have not junked cars in 10 years of doing it. Everybody is super careful getting into one and two that unless you're in the first couple rows, you really don't stand a chance of winning that race because they're coming out of two before you really even get into one and you're, you're, you're so far back that you're not gonna, you can't make that up unless there's a bunch of cars. And that's one thing we didn't ask Jake about. I mean, he's uh, granted yeah. Jake started on the front row, uh, front row on Sunday and night. He just left them. And yeah. it's just you know, the way the track was, it was just, it was hot laps. It just stop and steer. Yeah, let's ask him about the three, three, um, three of best start and see what his opinion. Because he's he's done it multiple times, so uh, maybe he started in the mid pack at one point and he could give us firsthand information. Well, even Drukey, Drukey came up. He got what third or fourth. I mean, he he's a previous winner. To me, I think the previous winners have almost an advantage. Maybe just the monkeys off their back and they can just race to race. I I I don't know. I mean, we've only had two repeat winners of this whole old year whole ordeal at, at the 10 Which years that we've done it. Bubak's one. Bubak and Jason Martin. Yeah. Jason Martin. He wasn't there, though, was he? No, he's he's J- Jason's a big-time uh, ASCS <laughs> 360 racer right now. He likes oh, fast cars. He likes fast cars. <laughs> <laughs> the ones Brad's go watch. <laughs> yeah, so it's... Uh, um, I, I I had some friends that went out there, and, and they both loved... Uh, one was Friday night and one was Sunday night, and they both thought it was pretty amazing... They're not regulars at any racetrack, but they thought it was pretty cool. So, Roger's done a great job at at, at developing a a national program that uh, that has a lot of. I mean, what ninety five cars there? 90, 90, cars? 91, I think yeah. was the so, final count. So ninety cars coming in for basically four days of racing, and uh, he he's found he, he's developed something that's working, and and I heard the crowd was amazing on Sunday. The, the crowd was, was really packed. good on Sunday. Yeah, so yeah. So, so I mean, he's, it, he's was, some, it was an outlaw pack, but it yeah. was a good crowd. Well, they ran out of beer, so you know it's got to be a good night. <laughs> so, <laughs> I was so, joking. I was joking with uh, with people out at Eagle Raceway uh, on Sunday night that uh, 
the announcer crew, they have they have a good time with everybody there, and they try to keep the fans involved a lot. And there's a lot of uh, when there's a caution, you, you take a drink. Get them up, get them up, get them up. Take Eagle drink. Raceway is promoting alcoholism in the state of Nebraska. Right. Yes. <laughs> oh, they can't wait. It's like, oh, spin out. All right, everybody, get ready. I mean, I get it. You got to do something to, to uh, entertain the crowd a little bit, but uh, it's not my cup of tea. You know, but those announcer guys, they're they're pretty pretty good to listen to. I mean. I know Brad says he doesn't listen to announcers when he watches the race, but but nope. watching them, James Rowland does a really good job of getting right up there and talking and interviewing. And uh, he's not he's really personable to talk to, to listen to him talk to the guys and and just the the overall crew. They're really fun to listen to. I mean not I don't know if that's good or bad. No, no, I like the crew. I like the yeah. crew. They they got a top notch uh, production team out there when it comes to uh Keeping the fans entertained. And Dan yeah. Taylor, who's the sponsor of the, the show. Well, I should say, I, you know, I think I said it before, that, I mean, when the racing's going on, you can't hear them anyway. So, True. But uh, I think that they obviously fill a void when the ra- they're in between races there. Uh, um, they, as long as they um, save valid stuff and, and I mean, don't – I mean, there's a need for them. But uh, just during the racing action, uh, usually you can't hear them anyway. So uh, I to don't. To me, it's a lot of – is they got to fill the dead air time. So rather the, the cars on the track, that feels, fills air time. That's the noise of the race going on. It's when it's that downtime, when you're waiting for cars to push off, when you're, you're changing your, uh, your classes, waiting for the next heat or whatever. That's, that, that's the time, the dead air time, that they, they do a really good job of filling the void. Well, and especially with streaming nowadays, you have to be able to treat it like a NASCAR race in a sense of your, your dead time is now all the time because fans want to get more interaction who are watching of just kind of what's going on because I can only see what you're showing me on the screen, but... You know, sometimes when you're watching Knoxville, they'll say something else is happening in turn three, but you're watching turn one. And to me, I always enjoy that as a, a fan who just sits on the couch and watches. Yeah, you're never going to please everybody because you can't catch all the action. So um, they just – and most fans want to hear about what's going on in the front of the field as opposed to the back of the field. So. Uh, according to Facebook, I want to see what's going on with my favorite driver that's running 15th in the yeah. B main. Yeah. <laughs> Why don't yeah. you show that? There's always that person for sure. So well, I had one guy say, he goes, I wish they would just have cameras focused on each car. I'm like, you do know how many cameras yeah. they're going to have to have out there on a dirt track? <laughs> Come what on. are you talking about, bud? This is an F1. Minimum of 24. <laughs> Holy shit. That, that's just a dipstick talk. I just heard the dumbest comment ever yeah. said on this well, podcast, well, and that's <laughs> saying a lot. <laughs> well, they say like with NASCAR, how you can at least hear the crew talking. I go, do you know you can't talk to the driver out on There's a dirt no track? There's no radio communication. <laughs> they're like, well, what's a I mean, unless you're on a Silver Crown, then you, can, you have radio communication, yeah. but... We can listen to whatever Rogers telling drivers. You know that'd be kind of fun. I heard Rogers say, "I think I put too much water on the racetrack." Good luck, guys. <laughs> so, anyways, uh, <laughs> we can go on for this a little bit. Uh, we got Jake Bubak coming on. Let's take a quick break, and we'll be back with Jake. Hello, and welcome to the Amazing Pizza Machine, Omaha's award-winning play and buffet experience. With over 60,000 square feet of indoor food and fun. First, feast your eyes on this. Our amazing buffet is packed full of delicious choices and is super convenient for families, groups, and folks of all ages. Yes, pizza is our middle name, but our unlimited buffet has so much more. And for the 21 and older club, we serve beer and wine available by the glass. Our amazing arcade is one of the largest in the Midwest and is something for all ages with over 170 of the latest and greatest video and arcade games, as well as rides and attractions. 
voted Omaha's best family entertainment center and best place for birthday parties, the amazing pizza machine is the perfect destination for any celebration. And we hope to see you soon. Join Stars photographer BA and Off Ice official Gene Cotter for Thunderstruck, the unofficial Lincoln Stars podcast. Where we talk with your favorite Lincoln Stars players, coaches, and alumni. Oh, it was a great night, yeah. Beat, beat them in their own rink just before the buzzer. It was something special for sure. I don't, I don't want to call it a surprise because I knew that there was uh, a great rich history for hockey here in Lincoln, but uh, I, was, I was really happy to see the fans come back in droves and, and be such a great supporter for us. I might have to throw my roommate on the bus. Uh-oh. I think Sato doesn't have the best tape jobs. He actually just spray-painted all his sticks white um, on the bottom of them. I think uh, he's copying some, some NHL or he's looking up to, but I don't know. I think it's dusty. I think a lot of guys think it's sick, though. <laughs> to let him in penalty minutes, back before they handed out those little 10-minute wussy misconducts on everything, with 265, <laughs> Thunderstruck the podcast all season long, right here on the Anchor app, Wherever you find your favorite podcast. Hey guys, Dan Taylor with Tailored Computers and Repair. I've been talking about a hard drive upgrade on the podcast for quite a long time, and here's a little more detail behind it. Older laptops, older computers, maybe four or five years old, the hard drives that came with them just simply were not built for Windows 10. A new hard drive from Tailored Computers and Repair will breathe brand new life into your laptop and computer. Not only will it make it faster, but it will make your laptop battery last longer and it will run cooler, which will also help the battery last a lot longer. Not only does your computer or laptop get even faster, but all of your files, settings, pictures, everything is exactly where you left it. Within about a day, maybe two days, you're going to get your same computer back, but it's going to run faster, cooler, and the battery's going to last longer on laptops. Give me a call today, 402-659-5641. Find out what a hard drive upgrade can do for your computer and get some valuable time back. This is the Dump and Chase podcast. We're trying to model ourselves after what you guys have done a little bit. Voice of the Phantoms and friend of the show, Mr. Matt Lipsack. I am along for the ride and perhaps provide some modicum of adult supervision here, although really that's a lost cause at this point. We welcome back Phantoms president Andrew Goldman. It went smoother than it did with Matt. I want that added. (laughs) I want that added. shaking your head now for i'm agreeing with you because oh. he has absolutely killed us this year well so far finger guns has meant sam shut up so yeah that's that's not helping i'm trying to process okay check out the dump and chase podcast every wednesday on western reserve radio youtube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts listen that like was frightening I would like to take a minute to tell you about a company that I've used countless times crawford plumbing it was founded back in 2004 by my good friend pat crawford Past experience, attention to detail, and hard work ethic is what holds him apart from his competitors. Pat specializes in service work and remodel projects for the Lincoln and Hickman areas. Pat is always my first call when something in my house isn't working from a plumbing standpoint, and he is always willing to take my text or call any time of the day. So if you need some plumbing help, make sure to call Pat with Crawford Plumbing today at 402-525-8599. Or you can find him on Facebook at Crawford Plumbing. (laughs) 
Welcome back to the program, guys. We are now joined on the phone by the winner of the 305 Nationals this past weekend at Eagle Raceway. Not only did he win the big dance on Sunday night, he also picked up the race of champions on Friday night, I believe it was, uh, or Saturday night. Jake Bubak is joining the program. Jake, how's it going, man? Pretty good. Thanks for having me. So, Jake, uh, this is Brad. You were on our show two years ago. And you were winning races in the Coyote Candle Company 74B, and you were also winning races in the 1X. And here it is two years later, and you're still winning races in the 74B and the 1X. So it doesn't seem like a hell of a lot has changed with you in the last two years. So what, what have you been up to the last two years since we last talked to you? Um, been racing a lot for the Osh family out of Jet Moore. That's the 1X car. Um, and then the last two years now, or I guess this year and last year, um, driving for Patrick Burke in the 27 car. He has a, a midget that I run at chili bowl every year and a handful of times, uh, throughout the season. And then, uh, he just got a, a Don 360 and we've been running it a handful of times. And that's actually what I'm doing now is getting ready uh, to go to Lakeside tomorrow with him. But, uh, haven't driven, um, I moved away from Texas and moved to moved here to Lincoln um, about a year ago. So I haven't driven for Ben Allfield, um since the, uh, I guess, almost since Race Saver Nationals two years ago. Well, I guess things haven't really changed that much, though. You <laughs> jumped right back in that car, and you, you, you had a dominant weekend out here at Eagle Raceway. Yeah, um, that that's just a testament to his equipment. It's, uh, it's top-notch, and... Um, I don't know. He pr he provided John and I this weekend with absolutely everything we could ever need it. And uh, if we didn't win, it w it wasn't on his. It wasn't his fault. We can tell you that. Well, talking about <clears throat> that, the three hundred five nationals on Friday night, you went from the seventh in the C main all the way up to third in the A. Kind of walk us through how that worked with that alphabet suit. Yeah, it was just just the way the format works we we didn't draw very good we, we started seventh in our heat and ran third um in the last heat race it was just starting to lay a little rubber and it was pretty one lane so it was really hard to pass so we moved forward as much as we could and um i don't know i just knowing just knowing what that car is capable of i wasn't too worried about getting into the feature um that night um but they went out they reworked the track right before the sea and it was actually really greasy um and we were able to to move past some cars that that just pushed through the grease and um got through the sea and honestly the the b main friday night was the hardest race of of the weekend um coming from back row of that and racing with cody and cody ledger and Stu and uh joey danley was in it i mean basically everybody but Carney, for the most part, was in that B main um, that you would expect to be up front come Sunday. So that was that was the hardest race to get through. Um, but we came, we were able to come from back row of the A to third. We had a really really good car, um, especially with the track kind of just more so being around the bottom. Um, the top of one and two kind of gave up, and um we were able to move around a little bit in three and four but for the most part we just made a lot of passes on the bottom being patient yeah and, and they said that that b main could have been an a main anywhere anywhere else um and it seemed like we re-watching that race on friday night is you you were on the bottom and it was like everybody else was searching around and you're just like forget it i'm just gonna stay down here and pass all you guys as you're you're, you're searching around that's what it kind of seemed like 
yeah, we could, we could still come off really hard. Um, I don't know. We, we could rotate the bottom. We could get in good. Um, and we actually, we spent a lot of time at the chassis dyno the last two weeks, um, at Monty's, uh, precision race dyno. Um, he and Chad cook got, got both of our motors to take off really good and, and pull hard off the bottom. Um, which is where we've actually struggled in the past with these cars is that they make a lot of power, but, um, they, they would never take off good. And it made a huge difference this year coming back. Um, now that we were able to have a little bit of torque and, and make them take off. Going a little bit into that a, a main on, on Friday night, I heard Adam Gullion talk about that. It was probably one of the dirtiest races he's been a part of in the long, in the longest time that he's been racing. Do you, do you agree with that? Cause I mean, if you look at it, there was just people just run beaten banging i mean it wasn't a lot a lot of carnage or anything like that but it's just a lot of dirty i, I want to say kind of dirty moves and hard sliders and aggressive aggressive stuff <laughs> going on well i mean there's going to be aggression uh no nobody wants to finish second um is is my thought um so just every, everyone's trying to get into the feature to start with and then um you know my goal was just to win and and get through there as fast as we could. I really didn't see a whole bunch of that. Um, watching the replay, it was pretty wild behind me a little bit more. Yeah, it seemed like uh, you were already by those guys by the time they got to that part. Yeah, I didn't see a whole bunch of it, but the replay, it it was that was probably the best best race of the weekend to watch from from what I hear. You know, and a lot of it too is that Friday night. I'm sure you guys are fighting to. You know, when you get locked in that first night, you're you're done till Sunday. I'm sure that helps with equipment and whatnot. It does. I mean, in, in a way, because we were still coming back, knowing we had to race the race of champions. Um, but it is a lot nicer to to not have to risk wrecking your car prior to that race or anything like that happening. Um, but we, I mean, we still knew we were going to come back and run run that same car that night. So, um, yeah, it's definitely nice to get locked in the first night. So you, so you get locked in the first night. Come Sunday night, you're you're kind of just hanging out until your hot lap session about halfway through the night. And what are you doing? Are you watching the track? Because I mean, to me, the track was just hammered down the entire entire night. It was it was to me a kind of glorified hot lap session. I mean, especially that A main. You you jumped out in the front and just it was just hammered down. Yeah, it, it was the, the, the rework was a little excessive, but it worked out in my favor, especially, um, you know, uh, I guess it would have been three years ago. Um, I had won the first prelim night. So we started on the pole and taking off on the bottom is not fun because usually it's really greasy down there. So, um, John was at a complete disadvantage and it, it really showed, especially that first start, um, he spun really hard. And I think he was back to fourth or fifth um, until that yellow came out. But starting on the top, it's a little drier and you don't you have a better entry into one. You don't have to be in the middle. You don't have to go through the hole. So starting third was definitely a big advantage. So uh, you're, you're, you're the shock, uh, shock tech at, at Speedway, is that correct? One of them, yeah. Okay, so I was going to ask you about shocks. One thing I noticed on Sunday night is that normally there's a hole going in, going into turn one at, at Eagle. Uh, mm-hmm. It seemed like Sunday night there was three. There was one on the bottom, one in the middle, one on top. How how was your shot game uh, benefiting uh, that situation? Because I, I noticed a lot of cars that if they were too stiff, they would just sit hit that hole and just start bouncing around. You kind of sucked your way into the hole and it just stuck. 
Yeah, that was, so two weeks ago we ran there. Um, and I guess it would have been the, the day that the rain delay happened and we ran some shocks that I could not get through the holes good at all. Um, and I talked to Kyle Vanover a little bit and Marcus about it and, um, just went with a different, different combination, um, right rear shock for sure than anything I had ever run. And the hole really did not affect either, either of the 74 cars this weekend. And especially in that A main there, I feel like after the rework, the hole wasn't really there much anymore. Yeah, I mean, it seemed like it was it was pretty much that in that A main that you. I guess I could see your advantage because you what you started outside front row, so you had free go at that turn. Whereas you said Carney, yeah, getting stuck in the mud basically. Yeah, that would be that'd be a nightmare trying to come off a of one into two with that. Right. Yeah. Well, and and coming off four too is is where he actually spun the most, and Chad and I were able to get a pretty pretty big jump on him. But I had a better arc into one. You know, he has to go in kind of shallow because we still have to leave room for the middle car there. And um, that's that's just part of it. We're fortunate enough, I guess. I never I never want to run third on a prelim feature, but it it was a, a big help for us. One of the unique things about this race has always been that three white start. And I always talk to guys about their, their opinions on it. I mean, have you started in the back of that three wide deal? I mean, thankfully we never had really any big incidents out of the 10 years we've been running it. I mean, when Roger announced it the first year, I'm like, we're going to crash the half the field in the first corner, but thankfully that, that never happened. But I mean, what are your thoughts on, on, on that? And how do you, how do you navigate it depending on where you're starting? For the most part, yeah, everyone I've been a part of has been, everyone's been pretty smart about it. Um, I think the worst we've had to start was 12th. Unfortunately, I've never had to start in the middle that I remember. Um, cause I think that would, that would be the hardest part, the middle in the middle, but, um, everyone seems to do a good job. It's kind of funny on the, on the radio, right before you go green, Roger tells you to, to run your same line for a lap, which you know, no one's going to do, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but, um, I don't know. It, <clears throat> so far it seems, it seems like it, it works pretty well and it doesn't make sense. It should not work good, but, there, there hasn't been much, much problems that I've seen. We kind of talked about this before the show, uh, the, the three wide start. Um, I kind of made the comment that unless you're starting the first couple rows, you're at a huge disadvantage just for the fact that the first two or three rows, they're, they're um, going and the back couple rows, they got to wait so long before they can even take off. Uh, your chances of doing anything in the back rows are, are slim to none, at least in my opinion, somebody who's never sat in a race car. But uh, is it that big of a disadvantage? Because it seems like you're all are really careful so you don't tear something up on that first lap. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you, you could tell that they were all being pretty cautious there because honestly, I think I think we caught them and, lap, and were lapping cars within maybe three and a half laps. Yeah. So that just shows, I mean, there were, there's a bunch more cars than normal. Um, but they, they are, they are, their pace has slowed down quite a bit. Um, just to make it through the first couple laps there and, and get it filed out. Well, it's a unique thing and it's kind of uh, fun for the fans, I guess, but, uh, yeah, as a driver, I'm pretty sure I'd hate it, especially if I was <laughs> mid pack or further back, I'd hate that three right wide start. Especially if you spin yeah. out, if you spin out going into one and you're in the middle, middle, good, good luck. 
Right. Yeah, it would. I mean, because at that point, your view is blocked from a lot of people that are farther back, and um, there's a good chance you're going to get hit pretty good. So, uh, Jake, you, you pretty much drive anything with wheels on it. You, you drove in the 305, the 360, the 410, the midget, the chili bowl. Have you driven a micro before? I have not. Because uh, we, we texted a, a buddy of ours, Frank Galusha, if he had any questions uh, for you that, you know, try to get some inside stuff. He goes, uh, ask him if he wants to drive one of my micros. So uh, we're trying to negotiate a deal here. Well, I would definitely like to get some more laps at the Tulsa shootout. Um, or get some laps at the Tulsa shootout before Chili Bowl. But um, usually usually our schedule is pretty busy and um, throughout the summer that I don't have many weekends off. Well, he did say that it is an actual offer. So you <laughs> might go up to him and be like, hey, I heard this was an offer. Let's, let's get this worked out. Well, I'll definitely have to talk to him about it. <laughs> so, so what's your favorite car to drive? The midgets are a blast. Um, I feel the most comfortable in a 360 sprint car. Uh, I don't have too much experience in a 410. I mean, they're they're the most fun and most challenging, but um, they're so frustrating. Just the the guys that you end up racing with are doing it three or four times a week, and I'm doing it maybe once or twice a month. So we're we're pretty behind, and it it stinks to go race somewhere and struggle that hard. Um, I know it, and it's going to make you better and it, it certainly makes me better in a 360 and a 305, but, um, it's, it's pretty hard on your ego going and racing with them guys and struggling to make a feature. Don't you have a win in the O2 brothers car this year? Yeah, we won a 410 race at Park Jefferson. Okay. Yeah. I thought you, you won one in, um, pretty uh, recently anyway. Within the last year. Within the last year. <laughs> Brad's just happy you didn't say 305. He was, I think, going to celebrate if, if you – if he's just happy you didn't say 305. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm not a 305 fan, so that's why they, they, they tease me all the time about it. But so, I, I'm not a 305 fan. Are we going to see uh, the, either the 27 or the 1X here at IED in the next couple weeks? Because there's some big 360 races, and we got the Outlaws coming to town. Yes, you will see both cars there. We will run a fall brawl um, in the 27 car, and then we are planning, as long as their farming doesn't um, cancel it, we will be there for the outlaw race and be at Lakeside the following night. Well, isn't there an I-80 race that has the 360s and the 305s? Would you, there's, so, I don't know, Stu was telling me that there's a 360 and a 305 race. Am I wrong? I no, I, I heard that know. too. See, <laughs> <laughs> I got Brad over here on Google and Brandon looking at me like I'm crazy. So, <laughs> but yeah. changing the gears a little bit, I've, <laughs> I always ask this question to every guest. How did you get your start in racing? Um, my dad raced for, a, a, well, my whole life, basically growing up. Um, so I started racing quarter midgets, my sister and I both in 2004. Um, and, basically haven't stopped since then yeah josh his dad was a world outlaw driver you, you probably didn't know that did you no i did not <laughs> sorry <laughs> when, when did your dad quit racing by the way i mean it, he looks like uh, he still gets fired up at the racetrack that i saw i mean he was excited about your win i, I think he could still probably wheel a sprint car pretty damn good he sold out in 2006 so that was the last time he drove a sprint car um I, be, I believe 2006. We should get him in the 305 next year at the at the Race Saber Nationals. <laughs> yeah, well, especially if you don't have to have three three IMCA races, he'd be set. 
<laughs> yeah, well, what are your, what are your uh, thoughts on that deal? I mean, they kind of announced the the, uh, the the change in the rule again, you know, late in the game this year. I mean, <clears throat> yeah, it was pretty late. Um, I know the past two years they haven't enforced it either, um, just because of COVID or whatever. They were saying that people people weren't able to race as much as they should have, but. Um, I hear a lot of stuff that they're blaming it on me, but we were going to get our races in no matter what we had. We had a bunch of plans. Um, it didn't really matter. We were going to have our three IMCA races in. Um, I don't really agree with it. I don't think, I mean, you don't have to, the outlaws don't enforce you to run four, four, 10 races or three, four, 10 races before you can go race with them. I don't, I don't think it's a big deal. Um, and the, the pay there is going to keep, huge name people away anyway. So, um, I don't think it's a big deal. I, I would rather it be the way it is that way. People like, uh, well, John Carney, cause they don't, there's not much IMCA stuff around the Lubbock area. There's a lot of racing, but they're none. I none IMCA sanctioned. Um, so they have to travel, you know, six or seven hours to Dallas or to Kansas and run with URSS to get those races in. So that's a long ways to, to go just to, just to try and get three nights in. Yeah. I never agreed with the rule. I mean, you don't have to run a certain amount of four tenths to run the nationals in Knoxville. You don't have to run 360 races to be able to run the 360 nationals. I, I think it's, if you want to jump in a 305, whether you're Donnie shots or not, you should be able to come down here and run. I, I totally agree. Well, you're making a rule to tell drivers not to come and race at your racetrack. That does, just doesn't make sense. Right. And why not yeah. attract the best talent to come? You know, that's going to drag. I mean, that's going to make the event even bigger to have bigger names. Yeah, I totally agree. It's going to bring more fans and um, it's, it's going to step up the level of the local guys um, as well. Well, you obviously know that living here in Lincoln, Nebraska, we don't have a whole lot of sprint car racing in the state other than Eagle every Saturday. So, uh, you actually call 305 sprint what? cars. I'm surprised Hold on, there, Brad. <laughs> <laughs> what, what did I just say? We, we have racing. <laughs> we don't have 360s or 410s. So, what, how far do you got to travel usually to get your, your uh, 360 and 410 and midget racing in? Because Obviously, there's not a lot here, and I don't believe you go to Knoxville very often. So, where do you usually end up racing at uh, um, during the summertime? We race quite a bit at uh, at Jackson and Houston this year. Okay. Um, so, about three or four hours, um, and then we did quite a bit of ASCS stuff in Kansas and Missouri. Um, but everything's within. I mean, the tops now is about five, five, six hours, which is awesome. Um, because the past four years coming from Lubbock, we had to, to, well, to race Eagle, it was 12, almost 13 hours. And, um, Dodge city was six or seven hours. And that was about the closest track that we could, we could race at. So you, you racers are a different breed. You said it's awesome that you have a six hour drive. I got a four hour drive this weekend to go kayaking down a river <laughs> and I'm dreading it. I don't even want to do the four hour drive. It's Cause I'd be worn out from <laughs> kayaking. <laughs> You guys are different, though. That's for sure. So how did you get hooked up with the Osh brothers? He kicked Don, Don uh, Jr. out of the car. That's what he did. He kicked Don, you know, <laughs> Hall of Famer out of the car there who won a championship. Well, I hope I hope that's not the case. I, did, I don't really know what the situation is there. But um, 
we have, we've raced with him quite a bit. Um, Mike Osha's son-in-law, Cody, I used to race three fives with him, um, with the, in the URSS series. Um, so we, we raced with him a lot. We actually bought a 410 motor from him. Um, so we were always in contact with him. And then maybe three years ago, um, when the all-stars did their speed week, um, we actually hurt our 410 motor in Lawton and they called and, and offered me to run their car at Wichita. And, uh, we've been growing pretty strong ever since. Do you have a favorite track that you like to go to? Not really. No. Um, I, I do enjoy Dodge city. I think it's a good size track. Always enjoy racing there, but I wouldn't say it's my favorite. Your favorite is probably the one you just won at. So, I mean, you, you could win at Jackson next week or whatever, wherever you're running, that'll be your favorite track. Yeah. I'm, I can tell you, I'm not a big fan of racing at Knoxville, but I mean, other, it, it's awesome place to go, but it is, it is the absolute hardest track to race at. Is it just the so. timing of racing? Like the different, t- different parts of the track, like running low, running high or what? It's just, it's, it's flat. The surface is different than anywhere else. Um, and the way the, the air affects the way other cars affect your air. It's, it's just, I don't know how to explain it. And I don't know if other people feel the same way, but it is, it's very hard and unlike anywhere else. I'm going back to Dodge city. Did, did they just cancel part of the season or do I, I read something where, didn't they alter something, some part of their schedule for the rest of this season? They canceled well, the I know they canceled the ASCS sprint car that's, stuff. That's what it was. That's what it was. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's a major bummer. I was really looking forward to that. Um, but we still get to go back and run the Steve King Memorial in October, okay. which is really cool event because it has um, the URSS sprint cars a non-sanctioned 360 show and that brought almost 30 cars last year to it um and then the rocky mountain midget racing association is there also um so we got to run the midget in the 360 last year and it was it was a blast it was a really good time so brad dodge city is about seven hours from here so (laughs) if you want a road trip i've been there once uh actually i've been there twice i went once and it got rained out which sucked oh really (laughs) But uh, we can road trip if you want. No, I'm good. Thank you. Hey, I can road trip on my couch watching on TV. <laughs> <laughs> so, so are you going to be doing the, the double, the midget and the sprint car then uh, this year for the, the race? Yes. Yeah. How hard is that adapt, to adapt to? Because, you know, um, for us knuckleheads uh, with the sprint car, you, you lean over to the left, but with the midget, uh, it, it, the weight leans on the right rear. Does that take much for you to adapt to uh, jumping out of one end to the other, uh, in the matter of just a few minutes? Uh, yeah, it definitely takes, I mean, a lap or two or so, but, okay. um, the nice part was it was two nights and, um, it, it wasn't too bad and it, it was a lot of fun. It's, it's a whole different feeling and it's a little uncomfortable to be on that <laughs> big of a racetrack in a midget. I believe, I'm, I'll take your word for it. <laughs> no joke. All right, Jake, I want to thank you for jumping on. Uh, congrats on the win at Eagle Raceway uh, this past weekend. We'll see you at I-80 with the uh, the Outlaws, hopefully, and then the 360 year coming up. Yeah, sounds good. I just want to uh, thank Ben Offill and uh, Kelly Simmons and all the guys that came from Lubbock to help us um, and, and give me that ride. Um, also, big thanks to John Carney and his family. They were a huge help to us this weekend, too, and 
just a spectacular weekend for our car owner um, running one, two like that. And we won every main event we could have. So it was a very special night and very thankful for the opportunity. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you got, you, that 74 beat or 74 car team was just on fire this past weekend at Eagle. So yeah, definitely yeah. try to hook up or hook up with Frank Lucia and see what he says to you. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I'll do that. All right. Thanks a lot, Jake. We'll talk to you thanks, later. Jake. Thanks, Jake. All right. Thank you. All right. That's Jake uh, Bubak joining us uh, on the phone. Uh, yeah. Meanwhile, I might have brokered a micro deal there. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's if, you, if we see him at the shootout in one of Frank's cars, that'll be awesome. So he'll get half of what he wins, which will be about a $50 bill. Yeah. Then we take the uh, 20% yeah, uh, get, get negotiation. Hey, maybe Frank will put QuickTime podcast decal in the car. Yeah. You know, no, we don't we have help those. them out there. We don't have any QuickTime decals. What? <laughs> I, I know a place that does those. I got a curriculum. Sometimes. <laughs> All right, let's take a quick break, guys. Uh, we'll come back and we'll uh, wrap things up with some uh, some hot topics. All right, guys, welcome back to the uh, Quick Time the Podcast. Uh, let's wrap things up here, uh, Josh. Uh, big night at Houston's this past week uh, as the uh, the season championship came down to uh, the final couple laps, and uh, I gotta say, Aaron Reisel doing some. Uh, Aaron Reisel well, yeah, stuff. stuff. Well, as they were saying in in victory lane, or when the race is over, he got Reiseled, and it's like. To me, when I watch the race, McCarl, yes, you want to win the race, but you have to look at the overall picture. Do you really push that hard to try to win or let off? Let Reitzel win the race. Who cares? So for for those that don't know, it was, what, eight laps to go, something like that? Something like that, yeah. Uh, Austin McCarl's leading. Reitzel's yep. coming on strong, and uh, they split a lap car. or, or yeah. yeah, a lap car, mm-hmm. and, and uh, Austin's on the top side, and Reitzel takes a, a huge Bomb. Huge, huge one, uh, huge slider, sliding yeah. that lap car and slid up and and caught uh, Austin with the uh, the right rear and sent Austin off and uh, right to the pit side with a flat tire. Yeah, and then you see in the pits Terry McCarl come running over, ready to just box, and it's like, you know, er, he's trying to win the race. That's Tad Holloman about a uh, Austin McCarl and Terry McCarl want to box. <laughs> <laughs> so did Terry do anything? Did he throw punches on Reitzel? No, they held him back. I mean, they had probably about three or four people that went over to Reitzel's crew and just told messing with them as they were trying to change a tire. And McCarl was one of the one probably biggest instigators. I'm and, putting my money in swank, by the way. Yeah. And they were, they were holding him back. And it, to be honest, when you watch the race, it, Austin you, saw the right rear. He had yes. to have the way that car came up. Austin saw the right rear. Uh, you, like you said, it comes down to: Do you want to win the race, or do you want to win the points championship? And I'm, I'm not Austin. I'm not Austin McCarroll. I'm not in the driver's seat. But obviously, he wanted to win the race a little bit more than that points championship because he did not break. And I don't know how much it pays for the championship because the race paid seventy five hundred dollars. So it was a good, good amount of money. Yeah. But yeah, here, here's my take. I, I'm on the fence on this. Um, if Reitzel's right rear hit McCarl's left front. I think that McCarl had no reason to do anything but tap the brake and point the front end underneath him and, and try to get get that spot back. But with Aaron Reitzel's right rear hitting McCarl's left rear, there's just nothing but more than a dirty slider. And McCarl, um, I mean, it would, it would have been really hard to tap the brakes. He would have had to damn near stand on the brakes and and. Uh, uh, he would have had to damn near stand on the brakes and and to get that avoided that crash, and yeah, maybe he should have, and then that would have salvaged his championship, uh, and he would have won the champ points championship. But the bottom line is, Reitzel did a horrible, dirty slider on him, and Reitzel just continues to do this. 
Um, I know the Awfuls posted that they want to speak to Reitzel in California and uh, leave the bike at home. Um, <laughs> I think uh, Wayne Johnson has that bike yeah. hanging up on the trophy <laughs> yeah. shelf. So I, I just think it was a horrible slider. Um, didn't stand a chance of, of, of sticking it. And um, I think the McCarls have every right to be pissed off about that. I would be pissed too. And, and I, I mean, I'm an awesome McCarl fan. I like the guy that yeah. dude's, the dude's awesome guy. Um, yeah. Every time I had interactions with Aaron Reitzel, maybe I caught him on a bad night. He's just kind of been a jackass to me. But I do like Tyler Swank. So, I mean, Tyler's been cool, cool to me in, in the past and, and whatnot. But I, I, I do agree with you, Brad, that uh, if I was Austin, I would be pissed. But, yeah. I mean. And like I said, if it was Austin's right front, then my play would be Austin had to hit the brakes and to avoid contact. But this was uh, rear wheel to rear wheel, and, and that's just. That's just a dirty slider on Reitzel's part. You know, and you haven't heard anything he, from Austin either, though. He, he hadn't said anything. Well, he he's taken the high road. He's taken the he's taken the more mature route, and he's. I mean, I, you know, he's pissed. Where did he get but, that from? Yeah, here's my question. <laughs> I haven't seen this, but um, supposedly uh, Brooke Tatnell did the same thing, and nobody really gave a crap about that. Yeah, Tatnell so, did a bad slider too. Was yeah. it a bad? Yeah, and Justin did the slider. And Justin Henderson, yeah. yeah. But and nobody's talking about that. So and Tadnell won by what one point? You're the Houston guy on Sunday nights. <laughs> it was literally, back. I think, one point is what he won by, yeah. and it was, you know. But if Austin, Austin still finished, I think, like 16th, and he was still only 15 points behind. Yeah, first place. So I mean, that shows that he didn't have to win that race. You could have probably finished top five; it wouldn't matter. You yeah. would have won the championship. Yeah, but he's a race car driver, yeah, and it's seventy five hundred dollars. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And they want to win. Now, That's what I mean. I don't know. What I'm going to guess. This is a complete guess that the points championship is maybe 10,000. So, um, but they're out there to win races. They're not out there to. But if you won the race and the championship, that's seventeen thousand dollars you just won. <laughs> that's, a so, yeah. that's a lot of money. I'd pay for your knee surgery. <laughs> it would. So maybe you need to get in a race Brand, car. Brandon be walking again. <laughs> yeah. So I get it. Um, it was hard racing, and um, but. I just don't know how anybody can justify Reitzel's pass on on attempted pass on, and here's another thing: it, took it also both. cost Reitzel the yeah, win. Yeah, it took them both yeah. out. So, um, uh, yeah, I don't have anything more to say other than it was just a just a shitty uh, slide job. Yeah, I mean, and the other thing I had was in my breakdown was it just seems like the Houston's guys when other guys show up and they race them hard, you they always complain. Ryan Timms, it was like. He's like, kid needs to learn how to drive. And it's just like. And that night he you did. Know, well, yeah, but I mean, still, it just, they're first, they're always complaining about something. And it's like, it's, Houston's is fun to watch. You know, you can't tell me that you don't want to win the race. You're going to do what you got to do. I think, you know, yeah, you might be complaining, but I think, you know, it's part of the spectacle. I mean, if you look at stuff like Bowman Gray Stadium, I mean, it's, yeah. it's. That's beating. It's a circus. It's beating and banging. But people come for the for the drama and the and the the shit talking and the extracurriculars and I think Houston's kind of c- could kind of be that way. I mean, they're not racing dirty out there for the most part, but I, I like the fact that Austin McCarl jump in 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 Victory Lane interview and say someone's a fucking dickhead and and you you get Justin Henderson saying no, Ryan needs to learn how to how to uh, drive a race car. That's gonna get fans in the fans in the stands, yeah. and I think that's, that's what true. a lot of these places need is fans in the stands and. You know, I'll, I'll tune in. You know, and on a Sunday night, that for me being, you know, I'm sitting at home watching on TV, but it's awesome to have a race on Sunday night. Houston's is a blast to watch. I mean, all three classes, not that I watch. Hey Josh, it's even better to go to. 
Yeah. I'm sure it it's is. better live. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, all, all three classes are, are a blast to watch. I mean, to me, the other thing that they did say was this last night they had for the 305s, they time trial. And I've heard from a couple of 305 drivers that they, if they would do that every week, they would they would come more often to Houston's. And you would see how slow they really are. Then, <laughs> then those guys are going to bitch that I took a, have a high draw and I timed last and therefore I'm slowest. And you're, you're, every way they line up cars has its pros and cons. And so it, it, you're never going to please everybody. I mean, I mean me personally, I do like the single car qualifying. Two I laps, do too. I, li- yeah. I love it. I mean, a lot of the times... Uh, Especially with like USAC stuff, that the qualifying is worth the price of admission yeah, right there. For sure. And I know people don't like qualifying for the nationals, you know, the single car stuff and the too much emphasis on points and blah 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 blah. But I love the uh, the single car qualifying. I don't like group time trials. I don't. No. You get too many cars out there. It's a glorified heat race, basically, in, in my yeah. opinion. I don't mind two cars, but uh, no more than two. Well, because you can get them spread out. I mean, yeah. one's on one side and one's on the other. It's pretty even. Yeah, but I don't, as a fan, it doesn't matter to me whether they qualify or pill draw. Because you're not going to the races, Brad. You're going camping. I do go to races. <laughs> but if you went to a 305 at Eagle, now that I wouldn't want to sit and watch time trials, which. I wouldn't I wouldn't want to watch 90 cars time trial, no. I mean, if they would split the car in two nights like, uh, like Knoxville does for nationals. I don't mind watching 40 cars time trial. See, and that I, was I something I, that was something I brought up in our when we were talking about before the podcast was would you rather see the 305 nationals go to more of a time trial no, I, I as like, opposed to a, a draw and you just I like his format the way he has it. I mean see, I guess me old school wise, I like the time trialing. I, what are you gonna do when you have 90 cars show up? You split them into two days. To me, that's too many cars in one night. I don't know. That's just my opinion. I have no opinion because I won't, <laughs> it won't matter to me. He won't be there. <laughs> <laughs> you can do all hundred of them at one time. I don't care. All hundred cars at the same time. Now, I, Let's go. <laughs> I don't. I don't. I don't hear any complaining about the format that they have out now. So I, I wouldn't wouldn't dink with it. It's just uh, get the track right, get the cars out there and race. And the key is have, getting the track right. Everybody's on the everybody's on the same same racetrack. So I was surprised that they run a support class with them. I mean. I'd rather just sit and watch the 305s and watch the modifieds and the especially when you have 90 yeah, cars, cars yeah, to I, go I through. Agree, but. You know the support class that wasn't it wasn't that big deal. It was two heat races and a feature. You're done because they they probably cap it off at 20. Or yeah, whatever, it's right? just like what yeah. Cormac used to do with the Outlaws yeah. when you had the modifieds come in or whatever. Is your top 20 points? That's you're it. There, two yeah. heat races. You're done. Everybody goes to feature. Yeah. So. Uh, well, the, the other thing I wanted to talk about was all these tracks that are getting bought up by by Copart and other places. Uh, you guys all know that uh, we're losing race tracks left and right across the country, and uh, just recently, it's revealed that I thirty Speedway in Little Rock, Arkansas, is being one bought up by Copart. Race track. Yeah, one, I, I seen it on TV. I'm stepping into Josh's expertise here. I saw it on hey, TV, hey, TV, but I've never been there live. It was a bucket list track, and it looks like. I'm going to have to cross that track off without getting to see Just it. But calm uh, down, Brad. Yeah. I will road trip yeah. with you. I'll leave my dog here with Josh. Yeah. He can watch it on TV. <laughs> Not a chance. Anyway. Just watch the, it on TV. It's like being there. They're getting <laughs> they're getting bought out by Copart. Um, Grandview Speedway in Pennsylvania being bought out by Copart. Um, I-80 Speedway 
here in Greenwood, Nebraska, being bought out by Copart, allegedly. So we're saying uh, so, boycott Copart? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah if, if you I don't want think we to. can do that. We don't really. <laughs> but we're, I don't we're, buy junk vehicles. I mean, I drive a junk vehicle, but I don't buy them. But we're losing cars or racetracks left and right around here. And there's three or four more tracks that I know of that are, that are closing down at the end of the year that are, are late model tracks that I, I really don't really have an interest in them. But uh, we're losing tracks left and right. Uh, Paris Auto Speedway is in trouble due to um, construction de- development. Yeah, and yeah. Develop. Well, it's they're, more. They're going to keep the track going, yeah, but it's going to disrupt the whole yeah. flow of everything. So. Um, I mean, look at, we lost Midwest Speedway here in, in Lincoln. God we we lost Sunset Speedway in Omaha. Um, all I think dude, that's just a field right now, though. We, and right now, we're, we're more than likely losing Junction Motor Speedway and McCool Junction. They're, they're not going to open back up. We're, we're losing tracks. Right now, we have just a, a small handful of tracks that we're going to get to watch next year. You know year. what? It's just a big conspiracy theory out there, Brad. Everybody's doing this, so you have to go watch 305s at Eagle. <laughs> That would be awesome. <laughs> no, uh, it's all against you, Brad. I'll it's renew my subscription Brad. to Flow and Dervision, <laughs> but it's just a shame. And and this this uh, Copart, they're a salvage company. They they buy total campers and cars, and then auction they them off, auction and, them off yeah. to people who want to buy them for parts. And so um, it's just it's just a shame that we're losing these quality racetracks. Uh, and Copart is are making deals that uh, can't be refused, apparently. So. Uh, people are selling them to Copart, so it's just frustrating. It's sad, and um, people are just, we're just we're just losing our, our our the love of our sport is being sacrificed by these these tracks that are being. I mean, sold. I, I I get why Copart's doing this. I mean, it's a flat, big piece of land. It's easy to redevelop that and zone that land for for their use versus buying you know a hundred acres outside yeah. of uh, outside of a city and be like, Hey, this is what I want to do with it. Good luck trying to get that zone for, yeah. for what you need. Yeah. But if we're going to take a racetrack off, that's already, you know, noisy already, you know, just, well, just look at the Kaziskis. They've been doing this for many, many years and they're tired. They're, they're, they're ready to, for the next phase of their life. Copart comes in here and offers them X million dollars and let's just say three million. I have no idea what the price tag is, but let's just say it was three million. Why would the Kaziskis not sell it for three million? Yeah, let's say you know I run a racetrack for the year, and I you know I have all the expenses of running the racetrack, and let's say my profit is four hundred grand. And if some company's going to come in and be like, "Here's three million dollars for this piece of land," fuck that. I'm taking yeah, three million dollars. I I don't have to work for and, this anymore. And release and, that. You know, well, no, head, no headache anymore. Yeah. Not yeah. only that, where I eighty is located, which is in the middle of Lincoln and Omaha, eventually those cities will grow and it'll then they'll have no choice to sell. We're not gonna be around when that happens. So. But the reason why I say it is because like two days ago, Jack Grop posted in the Nebraska thing, the Midwest Speedway, and it was a lot to do with residents moving closer and them enforcing curfews. Hey. The residents moving closer to the racetrack, that's your own damn fault for moving closer to the racetrack. You should know that fucking thing's there. And if you're going to move well, next to the racetrack, you should not be able to bitch about it because you knew it's there. And that's, now if a racetrack comes in and wants to build in your neighborhood, that's a different story. That's yeah. why I can't believe the courts even allow that argument. I mean, if, if you go move by an airport, you're not going to try to close down the airport. I mean, some, some lady, yeah. old grumpy-ass yeah. lady might do it. They but might I mean, try, but they're not going to get it no, done. And that's the stupid thing. You knew that this business this property existed before you built your house there before you moved next to it too bad so sad yeah i mean that's why churches build out in the middle of nowhere and then all of a sudden there's residents that live around there then it's like populated area 
but I don't, to me, I, I mean, I also sent a text out to Phil Durst about it because, you know, some of it is, I thought it would do with more auto auction stuff. And he said that really in this market, that wouldn't be a good idea for no, an auto auction to buy it's, it out. It's just, uh, Copar's just a, a salvage title company yeah. where you, they'll sell total vehicles out to somebody who wants to take two cars, make it a new car, or, you know, somebody, somebody at an auto body shop be like, okay, this car's not too bad. I can, I can buy this car for four grand, dump a thousand, two thousand dollars into it and sell it for eight. Yeah. Well, and, but you look at like Wavelink, Wavelink wasn't bought out by something like that. It was bought out by a construction company. I mean, you still see that what the lights are still standing nope, out there. Not they come down now. They recently, just recently, yeah, took just them down. level now. Yeah, it's just and that. That was always sad driving out to my brother's house and seeing the track, you know, just in in grass. And it's then just, if you look at a mid continent, it just finally sold as a. They're gonna have a development now. Yeah, development out there and. and Wow. Yeah, Sunset. Um, it's a housing development. Uh, Midwest is a um, Walmart. Walmart. Capital Beach development. So, did you ever go to Capital Beach, bro? No, I don't no. remember anything about. It's Capital not that Beach. old. Well, I don't know. I he'll, he'll comment on things that are way back when, and we're <laughs> like, okay, I think Brad's right. <laughs> uh, I've seen I've seen Rich Bubak drive multiple times. So, uh, uh, so have I. <laughs> I've never even heard of him. <laughs> <laughs> we know Sorry. by that question. <laughs> My first outlaw race ever, Rich Bubak was driving. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, that's about all I got. That's all I got. All right. That's going to do it on this week's episode of Quick Time, the podcast. Thanks, for everybody, for uh, tuning in with us. Uh, hopefully, you had some fun, entertained a little bit. Share it out with your friends. Uh, if you have any, um, if you're a fan of the show, you might not have any. Uh, leave some comments. <laughs> leave some comments. We've got three anyway. Yeah. You know, that's if three. you know a physical trainer for Brandon, help him with his knee. <laughs> hey, fuck off. Give bud. us a call. <laughs> Uh, I'll, I'll I got the GoFundMe account set up for knee surgery uh, here coming up. Uh, maybe, maybe we could do a GoFundMe go for Brandon's for Brandon. knee. <laughs> we need a lot more listeners for that. So <laughs> on that note, everybody, we'll talk to everybody next week. Have a good one. Later. See ya.